Hello and welcome to the Dr. Richard podcast, a show about health, well-being, fitness and humanity. I'm Dr. Richard Marks. Today it's my pleasure to talk to Charlie King. Charlie is the founder of By Charles King and is an advocate for physical and mental health. He also appeared in The Only Way Essex. How are you? And what three things make you smile? Well, that intro has made me smile. Because <laughs> when you list off what I do, actually, it sounds quite impressive. It's so, pretty good. <laughs> as you can see, I've got a smile on my face. Um, I'm quite a simple guy when it comes to what makes me smile. I just like things running quite smoothly. So I've had quite a, a good morning because trains have been good. The weather's a bit cooler. Um, I've been listening to the new Lizzo song. Oh, nice. That makes me smile. <laughs> and uh, I've had a good breakfast. So I just take the wins in the small things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And that's a good way to be, like, kind of living in the moment, you know. Yes, we forget to do that quite a lot of the time, I think. Definitely. So let's talk about Taui. How did you get involved with that? Oh, I mean, that was 10 years ago now, mm. which is crazy how quickly time flies. Um, to anyone that doesn't really know me, before the Taui days, I had my own little restaurant down in Essex. Oh, nice. And I was just busy minding my own business, working hard, quite a young age to have a business. But it was a great uh, life lesson for me. I had to grow up quite quickly. It was a big responsibility to, to manage a, an establishment that had lots of different sorts of people coming in, look after staff, mm-hmm. and make sure I created an environment which was safe for staff and the public. So I had to learn a lot. And what kind of restaurant was it? It was a bistro. Wow. And we made most of our customer money through breakfasts. Nice. Breakfasts were always the popular thing for us. But that was quite demanding because it meant early starts, dealing with a lot of hungover people on a Sunday and people that didn't want to pay their bills because they had a hangover and they would blame the food not being good when really it was a it was a hangover that they didn't have an appetite for. Um, but I learned so much about people in that environment and it was definitely something that set me up to be who I am today for sure and the way Taui happened was the show had just hit about 10 years ago and everyone was talking about it it was this whole new thing in TV people couldn't quite work out if it was real life if it was scripted and I remember being absolutely taken aback by it thinking what is this show that's meant to be about Essex people and like everyone We were talking about it. We started following it on Twitter because Twitter at the time was the social media platform that everyone was on. And you could engage with the cast. And it was quite a random thing that you'd never experienced before. So I was a fan. And then just very randomly, as their first series wrapped, I think the show was so popular and they obviously got recommissioned to go again. The producers started looking at different areas in Essex to potentially film the show in or meet new people to bring new cast in. And that brought them down to my neck of the woods, which is more Leon Sea, South End, which the show was predominantly filmed in Brentwood, Chigwell, Gants Hill, around that way. So it's a good 35 miles away from where I am. Essex is a big place. Yes. People was... Big county. Yes. And uh, long, long story short, producers came into the restaurant looking for cafes, bars to film the show in. And they came into mine and they were just saying, hey, we'd you know, be interested in using this as a location. They met me. They seemed to quite like me. They could see I was quite an interesting person, quite young to have my own business. And they asked me to go up to the, the offices in London to meet the, the execs. 
And basically I had a chat with them and they were like, we think you'd be quite good to come on the show and, and let's think about how we could potentially bring you on. So I thought, this is very random. This can't be by chance. I'd always loved like the entertainment industry. I'd always thought back in the day, I'd love to be an actor or I'd love to do something, but I got caught up in the business world. I thought this might be a good opportunity for me at like 26. I've been doing the business for about six years. Maybe this is time to take a new opportunity. So I did. <laughs> and it was a whirlwind, I have to say. Well, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Obviously, you did that show. And then um, after that, you kind of moved on from that and got into the fitness industry. Mm. Obviously, we talked a little bit about this uh, plastic surgery and the you know experience with that um, mm. so why did you have the procedure done so being in a reality tv show is, is is quite the experience and because it was one of the first of its kind if you like we all went into it not really knowing what the industry was about the reality tv world the social media world it was all up and coming it was new so we were regular people still are but we were put into this very abnormal situation, which people, millions of people were tuning in, but you were also still very accessible. And so you had this level of weird celebrity status or fame that was a little bit odd to contend with because you couldn't just walk down the street because people knew who you were and they had their opinions on you. But equally, in the industry, you weren't seen as anything apart from just this person on a reality TV show. And I think as I've gotten older and I look back on this whole career and, and what's happened to me, I can see that I always felt a little bit of a, an imposter into this industry because I always knew that I had more to give than just being a reality TV star from The Only Way is Essex. I always knew that I had business acumen. I'm very uh, expressive with how I feel. I've always been someone that likes to be good with people. I understand the importance of sharing things. And I always just thought I had more to give than just being on a TV show. But for all that it did bring to the table with opportunity, it also brought a lot of barriers as well. And I think that subconsciously, um, it was chipping away at my self-esteem as well as giving me like this quick high, then all of a sudden there'd be a low. And you didn't really know how to manage any of it. So it was quite a difficult situation at times because you would see what other people were doing and you'd go in down that comparison route and you'd think, well, how comes they've got that gig or people seem to be liking them more or they have more followers than you or they seem to be just becoming a lot more famous or it was just a very, it could be quite a toxic thing and there was no real guidance around it. So I think that why I, I what led me to the decisions I've made in more recent years is because probably my my self esteem was being chipped at for quite a few years without me realizing at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think that you did have like body dysmorphic disorder? Do you think that is something that you experience? I, again, I didn't realize that I had BDD, and that's been something that I've been learning about recently. I've, obviously, we've spoken in the past about this, and it's something that I've only really been speaking about in the in the media for the last year, which has been a great thing to do. But again, if I if I look back at that, my relationship with fitness and the gym was because, firstly, 
I did struggle with my mental health because to anyone that doesn't know me, I struggled with my sexuality. I came out quite late. I was 29. I came out on this morning and that was that was quite a big thing for me to do mm-hmm. and to identify with myself at a little bit of a later stage in life. I'd built a lot of fear. I'd felt a little bit, uh, I never knew really who I was, how, how where I fitted in. And that was always quite a tricky thing, especially being in a reality TV show like TOWIE, which was so stereotypical or alpha male and everyone was beautiful and sexy and attractive. And we were promoting this glamorous life and that wasn't really how I felt, but I was trying to play into that because that's what was expected and that's what we were portraying. The fitness thing was a way of me trying to find my attractiveness and finally being taken note of and be seen as desirable because I'd never felt that in my life. And my physique changed for the better. I got to do some of these big magazines. I got to do Men's Health, which was amazing. And then when people started responding to me in that way, it was a bit of a, it was almost like a drug because I was like, oh, wow, if I'm going to start getting the attention and I'm going to be celebrated for this aesthetic, then that's the route that I'm going to go. I kind of cringe a bit now because it shows how much I was desperate for validation. Mm. But I realize that now and actually I'm, I'm not about that. But at that time, because I was quite badly bullied at school, didn't really ever fit in anywhere. I was desperate to be accepted. And through having a good physique, it seemed to make me feel like I was accepted. Mm. But it also led me down some 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 dodgy paths, if you like, because I became obsessed about it. And I set myself quite a high benchmark. And that, that in itself was quite quite dangerous at times. Yeah, yeah. So um, what made you start your business at such a young age? And how did you have the confidence to do that? I don't know if I had the confidence to do it. I My, my mum was a single mum growing up. I had just me and my sister and my mum. And we lived a pretty humble life, but it was fine. I was always surrounded by love and that was the most important thing. But we didn't have anything of any great opulence and wealth or anything like that. And when my mum met my stepdad, life began to change because he was a businessman and they together built a really solid little empire for themselves. And I think that I'd got caught up in this thing of, wow, business is the way. And my stepdad became my absolute like hero because I'd never had a male figure in my life at that time that I was really like looking up to or felt a strong bond with. And I think it was through seeing what they were doing within their own businesses together that when he said to me, you'd be great running a restaurant or we should get a family restaurant, that would be a good thing to do and you could run it. I thought, okay, don't really know what I want to do with my life. I hadn't figured it out yet. I was 18. Okay, it makes sense. I'll be my own boss. And I know that with my nature, the one thing about me that's always been instilled in me is to work, work hard. So I thought, yeah, let's do it. So I did. And it it was, as I say, a great, great opportunity. But I had to learn on the job. I was only young and I didn't really know a lot about money or how to run a business, but it was a great life lesson, as I said. Amazing, amazing achievement. Mm, It was good. (laughs) And going back to the plastic surgery, you you testified in Parliament about 
this um, experience that you had? Was it an intimidating thing to do and how did that come about? So speaking about the body dysmorphia was just a way of me to try and make some peace with things that happened in recent years. I definitely come in waves and I think this is just what life's all about now. I'm realising more and more that we all just have our ups and our downs. Definitely. Even reflecting on this last 10 years and my behaviour in certain things and my thought processes, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm that guy or I was that guy. But um, if I think about the pandemic was a huge uh, game changer for me because I spent so much time on my own mm. and I became very uh, within my own head and the one thing that always bothered me was my nose. And that's because it'd been broken many years ago. And I would, I always knew that I was all right. I, you know, I, I, w- I was okay with how I looked. I'd obviously done quite well based on my image, if you like. But the nose was my thing that was like, ah, oh, this is the one thing that lets me down. And so I'm going to get that changed because this pandemic's teaching me that why are we just wasting time not being totally happy and confident, blah, 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 blah. So I decided to go and see a surgeon as soon as we could get out of the house. And I did. And the surgeon totally agreed with what I had thought I was seeing in the mirror. Little did I know, obviously, that was not a good thing for someone that has got body dysmorphia and it hadn't really been diagnosed or anything. It was just, I think this, you're confirming it. You've confirmed it now. You're the expert. Let's, let's do let's, it. Let's do it. <laughs> And so I did. And there was no real analysis around it. It was purely, no, no, we can make you look better. And that was my thing is that I think I I need that. So I did. Went and had the surgery. The surgery didn't go to plan. It didn't give me the results that I wanted. It was was just a disaster. That's Mm. that's how I can just express that it it was the worst thing that I've done. And I make no... Uh, you know, I don't hold back when I say that now. And even my surgeon knows that I regret it. But that was because I was in quest of this perfection. It's always been in me. And there was no real, um, yeah, I'd say analysis about actually how I saw myself and what my mental health was like, or if I had any potential conditions that might be distorting how I see myself. And this is what then led me to, to Parliament because I spoke about how the the surgery not going to plan and giving me quite a botched result in round one, because I've had two surgeries now, it absolutely floored my self-esteem. It ruined my confidence. It set me back tenfold to what I was before. And people were wondering where I was. You know, I was always quite a visual guy Mm. and I just had no interest. And so had the opportunity to go on uh, Channel 4, spoke about the ordeal, and then it was from there that I had such an influx of people that related to what I was saying and and this whole never feeling good enough. It's been in me for years. A lot of it, I think, was based on, you know, my issues with the sexuality, um, this toxic masculinity, feeling like an imposter, this reality TV world wanting to reach a certain level in in this industry, but never quite getting the opportunity, thinking I needed to change to maybe make that happen. There was so much to it um, that I needed to just get some of it off my chest and people related to what I said. And then 
that's how the BDDF, which is the Body Dysmorphic Disorder Foundation, got in touch with me. And they were like, we can try and help you manage this because I'd only recently been diagnosed with it before I actually spoke about it. So it was definitely the right time to express where I was at and also the right alignment with a charity that was going to help me that I could then potentially use within my profile to raise more awareness of. Yeah, and I think it's also a good thing um, drawing that attention on this for men because, you know, there's probably a lot of publicity with women having BDD and the problems in cosmetic surgery and that side, but, you know, men have it too and, you know, and that's important to draw awareness to that. Absolutely. And I've, I've been someone that over the years has actually endorsed a certain aesthetic and a way of life and I... I was celebrated for having a six pack and all that nonsense. And I say it's nonsense now because it really doesn't make any difference to my life whatsoever if I've got one or if I don't. But I fell into that web. And I think as the years are going on and as I look back now and understand it a lot more, I can see that what I put out to people and how we as individuals now all interpret information and images I think we all have a duty of care to be a little bit more aware of how things can really trigger people. Definitely. And from a male perspective as well, I've been overwhelmed at the amount of men that have got in touch, all walks of life, all different ages, that have struggled with self-esteem, with body body image issues, not feeling like they, they're attractive, good enough. And I, this is why I want to continue to to be an advocate for this. Great, great thing. And um, you have the clothing brand by Charlie King. So why did you start it? When did you start it? And tell me about <laughs> it, you know. A little bit more lighthearted. <laughs> um, the, the clothing brand has been a real little labour of love, as we call it, because in the midst of all of this turmoil, to my core, Richard, I am a creative person. And I just get so much enjoyment out of creating things, listening to music, reading poetry, walking around, digesting like different sights and scenes and architecture. I just love it, traveling. And to my core, that's what I'm about. And even though I've obviously had my inner struggles, the one thing that I've always liked to do is have an outlet. And it was just by fluke that during the pandemic, I used to get sent a lot of things because the one way that we could make a bit of money, truthfully, is through endorsements. Mm. And sometimes you'd just get the odd email or DM from a brand and they'd be like, look, we would absolutely love you to wear this and whatever. So I would say, okay, I'm up for seeing what that's all about. I'd get the stuff and I think, oh no, this is not, this is not up to standard. Quality. This is not good quality. This is fast fashion. This is naff. And I would then forget about it. But it made me then think, hang on a minute, if I can, if people can wear this and sell it, why can't I try and do something that might be a bit more in alignment with what I'm about? What I've built over this last 10 years as my own sort of profile, if you like, and see if I can potentially sell some good quality garments that are is sustainable, that I can put my name in and be proud and just see if it works. And it literally just started with that. My surname is King. The crown is what I'm all about. As I'm finding myself again after these last few years, I want this whole ethos of owning your crown, whoever you are, with confidence, with pride, 
and to enjoy yourself as the individual that you are. And that became my my ethos and my vision board for BCK, which is by Charles King. And I put out a few t-shirts on a pre-sale model because I don't have a lots of money for this and I didn't want to get caught up in anything too crazy because fashion is a very hard game. Mm. And unless you're very niche, whether it's like you're a gym shark and it's gym wear or you're a high-end fashion label, these sort of making t-shirts and the odd bits of garments, there's so many brands out there that are just doing it and they come and they go. I wanted to try and make something that was a testimony to me, but also long-standing and will become you know, something that does establish into a proper brand over the course of time. So I put the t-shirts out there and they flew. Nice. And it was a great feeling. And it was it was the first time in a long time that I was like, yes, this is something. And I'm really enjoying this. And I'm learning about fabrics, T-shirts, the the whole manufacturing situation, systems. It's it's quite interesting. So did that, and it just so happened that one of my clients in the PT world, she worked in fashion. She knew the industry very, very well. And she was like, let me help you. So again, there's this constant theme in my life of like an alignment of the right people or the right opportunity coming at the right time and she's helped me and through there she's now become one of my business partners and we are growing this kingdom as we call it the bck kingdom the range is getting bigger we've got some great friends wearing it Amazing. I think I gave you a t-shirt. Yes. I'm surprised yes, you're not wearing it today. I should be wearing it. <laughs> I'm a little bit upset about that. Next time. <laughs> Episode two. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and it's been it's been a lot of fun, first and foremost, because I've needed that. It's a creative outlet, which is great for me. It stimulates me. I'm learning about business again because I lost my confidence with business. I There's nothing like when you put something out there and someone buys it. It's probably like you with when you get a great result with your teeth. It's really fulfilling mm. and you feel really proud. You're like, yes, it's like, I'd imagine it's what it's like if your song goes to number one or yeah. you have a hit in the box office. It's like, yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm buzzing with it. Where it goes, I don't know. I'm trying not to put any pressure on it. It's just live in the moment with it. Keep going, keep learning. And if it's meant to be, it will end up being a global brand. That's what I'm saying. Amazing. Mm. <laughs> Tell me about fitness. So how do you now use fitness in part of your daily life? You know, you said your attitude towards it kind of changed. Yeah. Um, but how do you use it as part of your life now? And how does it help you physically and mentally? So it's always going to be there for sure. I think fitness is something that I will always endorse as a positive thing for people to do. You know, we don't all have to be on a fitness plan. I think we can get too caught up in that. And again, as someone that once was advocating that and trying to sell plans once upon a time, I've come back to the drawing board because, again, I think what what's happened in this world of social media is we constantly look at people and we think they know the answers. Or you watch someone that's got a great physique. And just because they've got a great physique and they're saying to us what they're doing, we automatically think, well, that's going to be what we have to do in order to get that body forgetting the fact that that might be their sole career they have access to all the resources to create a certain lifestyle that absolutely works for them that they can have a body like that and uh their genetics and, and who they are as people like it's very individual their body type their composition all that sort of stuff so i 
pulled away from it for a moment because I fell out of love with the industry. I think I got fed up of seeing people thinking they were experts, all this contradictory information, this one knows best, this one's calling this one out. And it, it just becomes this thing of like, what what is this anymore? Mm. We're forgetting the actual fundamentals of what fitness is meant to be. And it's about your own individual fitness journey. Of course, take inspiration from other people, but don't try and copy or think that they are the winning formula to mm. get in your physique. It's down to you and your own relationship with your body, educating yourself a little bit with it and, and building your own yeah relationship with fitness and that's what I've actually been doing recently I came away from putting my workouts online trying to show people what to do what I eat in a day who really cares and when I see people doing that now I'm a bit bored of it I'm a bit like I don't care if you're food prepping mm. well how, how do you approach nutrition yourself um, I'm a lot more relaxed with it once upon a time you would not have seen me you know, eat chips on a weekday or have a pizza, but it might be a month. You know, I really used to be so regimented right. and disciplined. And that was because I I was a lot more invested in it. Hmm. But also I think that was because my, my sort of obsessive ways meant that I couldn't ever drop the bar a little bit. I thought that, no, I've set this tone, so therefore I can't be seen to be eating anything other than my really healthy, nutritious food. But since since this situation with the BDD and coming back to life after COVID, I've, I've relaxed with it a lot more. I still like to exercise. I still do like to eat well because I think just it's better for you. You owe it to your body. People get so caught up on the aesthetics, me massively included in that. But we forget that our bodies are these functioning vessels, if you like, that need to just be looked after. Mm. And I think we owe it to ourselves to do that regardless. We're here for, you know, we're in these bodies for until the day we're not. Yeah, exactly. And so it's important. But I am I try and enjoy a little treat every, every so often and get the balance right. So now I'm just looking at the, how do I factor that into my my fitness career? And my clients, I mean, I still have a lovely client base that I work with away from the socials and, and promoting it through through that way. I've had uh, uh, clients that have been with me for a long time and I enjoy seeing them progress and I still love that. But how I do that in the public uh, moving forward, I don't know. But it's, having conversations like this, I think, is, is, is good for me because I'm resetting, reestablishing myself and what I'm about or where I'm at with it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that, like you said, fitness over the aesthetics, you know, and really just bring it into balance for yourself, you know, in something that works for you. Yeah. And I think it's really sad that in this day and age, through this comparison angle that we all, you know, we look at everyone that looks great and you get so caught up in it. And it, it actually brings a negative effect or relationship because if you are susceptible to um, low self-esteem, lacking confidence, you're at maybe at a low point in your life and you're bombarded by these things or you think, well, that's what you need to be, then that that can be quite detrimental. And I think that's where we've lost sight of things. I went through a whole unfollow spree on my Instagram not so long ago. No disrespect to any of these people, but I was like... You just don't need to see it at that time. don't need to see it. And you're trying to make out that it's about... You're trying to advocate or endorse something but really, it's all about you and you're just wanting this validation and, and you're so caught up in yourself that you're forgetting what the message is all about. And 
I don't know. Yeah, I've, I think I've just become a little bit older, wiser and savvy to, to a lot of people in this fitness game. And what would you say, um, leading on for that, what were your plans for the future? What would you see for yourself? Oh, <laughs> that's a difficult question. Yeah, crystal ball, <laughs> crystal ball moment. Um, good question. I think it's this living in the moment is really, really important. Being kinder to myself mm. is key. Seems all quite selfish, quite me, 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 but. I I have to own the fact that I am who I am. I've had low self-esteem. I've always struggled within my my confidence. And it's led me down these paths which unfortunately have been massive life lessons. The one thing I get huge pleasure out of now is using my story, my experiences, being honest and potentially being able to help people with that. And then that reminds me that this wasn't by chance that I embarked on we 10 years ago and it's been highs and lows it, I think it was meant to be because I've learned so much about myself and I get to do it in a way where I can then share that experience and that's an amazing opportunity for me yeah. first and foremost and I live by a saying now which is through sharing we can all find a common ground and again that's what I'm advocating for that's why I went to parliament that's why I've been on every news channel over this last couple of weeks speaking about body dysmorphia, plastic surgery, the, uh, the mental health and how it affects body image. And some people get it, some people don't. I've had many a negative comment thrown my way, but I have to just keep pushing through because I've been there, I've done it. I've got the t-shirt, I've got the scars and it is what it is. So I'm I'm definitely finding that that's given me a whole new purpose now within my career and a fulfillment within me that I'm like, yes, this this makes me feel good. Yeah, I think if you're helping other people, then, you know, that's naturally going to be a great thing. Yeah, know? there's nothing quite like that. No. And so, but, you know, I don't want it all to be a sob story or a violin moment because, as I say, there's been some amazing opportunities and I've got to meet some incredible people and, sit here now with you for example and that's that that's great and so if i can keep doing that i've always wanted to do a factual like a documentary mm. get out there meet people i'm a people's person mm -hmm. and whether that's you know just going my mum owns care homes wow so if i go down to her care home and i just go and sit with the residents <laughs> or the family of the residents come in and you just get chatting i love all that they got stories <laughs> i love stories you never know by crossing paths with people. I don't know. It's just they're, they're the things in life that, for me personally, I, I get quite a fulfillment from being around people, sharing, potentially being of help, being of worth. And I think that's a nice thing to do as a human being. Yeah. And I think, if, like you said, um, about kind of being kinder to yourself, then if you are, you can be kinder to other people. And if you're positive to yourself, then you're able to spread that positivity to others you know so that's, that's right. a great thing to do please we agree on that <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for joining me charlie <laughs> thank it's been you. a pleasure we could talk all day yeah absolutely and i think it's such a great thing that you know you're doing and you're drawing attention to these issues and it's something people don't necessarily talk about but it's something that needs to be talked about and i think by the message of support that you've had from people and 
you know, the common ground that they've drawn in that just shows how important it is. Absolutely. So long may it continue. Definitely. And good luck with the brand, obviously. Thank I'll you. be looking out for more of the clothing range. Looking out and ripping it more importantly. 100%. <laughs> I'll sort you out. Don't you worry. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. All of Charlie's details and links are in the show notes. And thank you for listening. If you like today's show, please rate and review wherever you get your podcast. It was presented by me, Dr. Richard Marks. For more about me, I'm on at Dr. Underscore Richard double underscore or visit my website www.drrichardlondon.com this is a pod people production it was recorded at spiritland studios and the music is by delhi music and we will see you next time